Ooh, this is AOK Radio, your go-to place for a little escape. Inner child, current child, adults, come on down for an easy listen. This is I Escape signing off. Whoever and wherever you are, welcome. The escape begins right now. What's up, AOK Radio? Signing on. And good news, everyone. We've got the start of a, well, not a brand new series, but a reignite, if you will, of a, uh, well, shout out to my buddies over the Reignite podcast, um, a reignite of a old podcast that I put on hold uh, quite a bit ago when we discovered that a remaster of the Mass Effect series was coming our way. So originally, um, a couple episodes in, we had this series, uh, Star Wars New Horizons, Josh himself, I always have to introduce him like that because it just, it just ooze epicness, you know? Um, and that's, you know, his project. So I got to send him some love with that too. Really awesome stuff he makes under that, uh, alias, but we started a, a, a little mini series together, a deep dive of the Mass Effect series called A Tale of Two Shepherds, where we pretty much just went through each game, or the plan was to go through each game, and just talk about everything we loved, everything that we're kind of like, eh, you know, give it its fair criticism. And I was gonna try my best to get him on this episode, but you know, life so hopefully we'll be able to get him on soon but i didn't want to hold off on this series and we can always catch him up and still get his thoughts um you know get him on as many episodes as we can but for now i'm gonna get started solo but oh my uh (laughs) ac is coming on one second okay so as badly as i would love to have the ac on right now it will destroy (laughs) the audio quality of this episode and i don't want that obviously y'all don't want that so yeah, I'm going to bear the heat for a little bit. And it's going to be tricky because, I mean, this game is heat itself. I'm getting just a double whammy right now. But, hey, you got to do it for the fans, right? Shout out to you guys. You guys have been doing, you guys have been killing the episodes with the listening numbers. Really appreciate that, by the way. So, without further ado, let's jump into the Mass Effect Trilogy Remaster. Here, we're going to talk about um, the new additions what has been included in them? Uh, do they hold up well? How do they how do they fare in general? And just talk about how it's been progressing through the game. I'm about 13 hours in so far into Mass Effect 1. And go from there. And also some good news too involving possibly the in- including... The inclusion? Yeah, the inclusion uh, possibly of multiplayer in the future, which would be a amazing feature i'll talk about that in a little bit here but i do gotta say and i'll probably repeat this again later on i literally was playing the multiplayer on the playstation 3 about a month before the release of this game and the servers were still active that should tell you enough alone that bringing the servers back is definitely something needed especially since Without a doubt, there's going to be a whole lot of new people coming into the series. But I talked about this a lot in a previous discussion about the remaster. 
but I can't emphasize it enough. The do- the 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 people who want to bring it back, or who are interested in bringing it back, I, su- I should say, who worked on the game, did stress that is if there's a big enough need, a big enough want, I should say, from the fans, they'll bring it back. So of course, we as the fans need to do as such. So hopefully, this episode will bring that to attention to people who uh, would love that, and we'll go from there. So, uh, starting off, I uh, picked up Mass Effect. The new one from Best Buy. Uh, originally, I was going to get it from GameStop. They ran out of stock. And uh, so I picked up from Best Buy. And it was a win-win because Best Buy had a steel case. So now I have a couple different games with steel case covers. Uh, this one, Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, Avengers, and there's like one more. Hmm. I can't see it from where I am. It's all my stuff is literally on the other side of the room. <laughs> but anyway, I, I love the steel case uh, covers. And looking at it now, it's actually the same cover of the. Oops, sorry, hit the mic there. It's the same cover as the um, box art, but you know, it's obviously zoomed in a little crisper. You know, because it has that metallic shine to it too. So it's definitely worth it. And so that's on the front. If you go to the back. It just has the Mass Effect Legendary Edition logo, which is pretty crisp, pretty pretty nice, uh, very nice inclusion. So very interesting about this too is that it comes with two discs. Now, when you think about it, it's like okay, for for our Xbox players out there, they're probably thinking, oh, two discs. That sounds about right. I mean, we've dealt with two discs <laughs> for the majority of the time. Um, but for the PlayStation players, we never really had to deal with two discs before. Everything was even with the collection oh no 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 no! scratch that with the collection it was all th- all three discs were separate but eat with each release each each separate release it was all just in one disc per game so uh but it's for this for some reason i don't know if it's like this for both the xbox or even the pc it probably isn't but i didn't do my research but uh at least for the ps4 version you have the play disc and you also have the data disc Now, I meant to do my research as to why that's a thing, but I'm guessing just because it needed to run smoother and they had to separate the two discs, I'm guessing, so everything would run as smooth as possible. I don't know if that's legit, but if they needed to do that for it to happen, I'm not complaining because the load time is pretty good. All right, so uh, first starting off the game... um, automatically you can tell a difference you you load up the game and you have this beautiful new bioware uh opening that has you know some of the legendary characters themselves i I forget who was already on there but man that's embarrassing (laughs) i talk about how awesome it is and i can't remember the characters who were on the start of the of the uh thing but it's like a close-up of them then it uh it finishes with Shepard with his uh helmet on and then it just goes bioware um I think it was probably just Liara, Garrus, uh, I think maybe Morton. I could be wrong. And then it was Shepard. So that was really cool. It was, it was almost like a Marvel style kind of thing. Not the Marvel logo type deal, but it, it, the cinematic made you feel like it, it was something Marvel put together. Um, and then when you go to the opening, the opening menu, you, you hear that classic do okay i'm not gonna say the rest because i'm gonna butcher it <laughs> i'm amazed i even tried it tried that little bit there that was 
that was very embarrassing. But <laughs> that beautiful music that you just that just screams Mass Effect, and every time I hear it, it just touches me deeply in all the right places. But um, <laughs> the the menu already looks super crisp. You can see all the details from the moon right there to all the vivid lights of the cities of the planet below, which I believe is Earth, and it just looks so good. It looks really, really good. And like I said, about a month prior to um, playing this game, I played the originals, uh, you know, just a couple levels here and there. I, I wanted to save a lot of the experience for the new one. So I played a couple bits and pieces from each game just to kind of have it fresher in memory so I could tell more of a difference of the new aged uh, enhancements that the remaster had. And from right there, I could see it. I was like, everything looks so high definition. And this is coming from someone who doesn't have a 4K TV, for instance. I have a PlayStation 4, I think just a slim. I don't have the Pro, and I just have a regular HD TV. So I can only imagine what this bad boy would look with those things. Like I, I was this close, literally this close to buying a 4K TV just so I could experience it in the future. But I, I'm pretty sure I need a pro to actually fully experience it. So I, I need a bigger investment, but in the future, maybe. But either way, regardless of all of that, with the standard stuff I have right now, ugh, beautiful. Um, So with that looks good uh oh i forgot to mention when you go to the the menu before that it's kind of like how the um a couple remasters in the past have been done like um with the kingdom Hearts stuff like the all-in-one collection to the slide collection um uncharted they kind of have all the games on one menu with one thing in the background it has like uh shepherd's helmet and as you go between each game the reflection is shown not uh, or the, you, you see the the boxes themselves, but of course the reflection of each box as you turn to them is reflected on Shepard's helmet, and that is just so good. It's just like he, he, he just placed it there, you know, just for safekeeping, I guess, and it's just so, so beautiful. And in the background you see um, people like in the cockpit or at least near the cockpit just doing whatever. So it was a very good environment. It, it's a very nice little backspace or no not backspace background I should say for that and I I really liked it it was really it's really it's a really subtle thing nothing too um it wasn't too much it was it was just subtle enough to give you a little go a little bit of immersion before you really dive deeper into what game uh you wanted to play at that time it was uh, very appreciative, I think. It was a very good choice. And the subtle attention to detail of having each one reflect on Shepard's helmet on the visor. Oh, that was one of the first things I noticed as I was switching between the games. So going back to that, um, from that point on to the game itself, you notice the graphics. There wasn't a single point in the game where I was like, huh, they didn't they didn't touch this up. Like, dude, they, they literally... You could tell they definitely worked their butts off enhancing everything, redoing a bunch of from redoing models to just enhancing certain things. Just whatever they did, whatever means they did, they they really made sure this felt more modern. I know some people kind of complain saying it doesn't look as modern as like 
a current game or like some of the late uh, some of the present games on the four is and to that i say dude it's it's a remaster of a game that came out like 10 years ago plus give them a break <laughs> so um so with that i i'm very pleased there are only a couple instances where i felt that it looked a little odd but at the same time it still goes hand in with what I said, it's it's still a remaster of a really old game, and there's only so much they can do. So, for instance, um, some of the models don't look as good as others. Uh, for instance, um, An Anderson and Udina look a little odd. I think some of the skin tones, I guess, on Anderson look a bit weird. His eyes <laughs> have this bug eye look. He always looks like he's surprised. Or it's just, it looks, I don't know, his eyes are just so buggy. It just doesn't, it looks odd to me. But, I don't know. It's, either way, he still looks good. He looks better than his original. Like, you can see more of the hair follicles. You can see all the, all the pores. <laughs> but Odina, you can tell with Odina, he looks like he just doesn't get a lick of sleep. But he's a politician, so it kind of makes sense. <laughs> and then you got uh, models like uh, Tally, Liara, uh, Rex, Garrus. They all look phenomenal. And this time you can really see all the vivid details that you always wanted to see. And it's just so great. And with the character customization, too, they I was hoping they would have added a bit more of... Um, customization from like Andromeda for instance because when I was customizing my character I did give him an Andromeda hairstyle the uh the braids because it just looks so fresh I mean you gotta I gotta have my shepherd with a fresh cut you know I just he has to he just has to he has to look fresh as he's saving the galaxy that's what we're here for you know we get we have an image to upkeep as shepherd we can't we can't save the galaxy looking bummy I mean <laughs> Yeah, we can, if it really comes down to it. But I would prefer my Shepherd to not look bummy. I need him to be fresh cut approved every mission. And thank goodness that is realistic because you don't have to worry about him growing hair ever. Unless you change it each game. So, perfect. Gotta love game logic. Um, But yeah, I, as I was doing this, I was, I was changing the character customization. Noticing things like that and... Like they said, they did unify all three games. So all three games are going to have the same customization. So it would be easier to carry over the same Shepard. Or if you want to adjust it, either way. It's really cool. Um, I do, however, am bummed that they didn't include the Andromeda feature where you're able to just change your character on the fly throughout the game. That was one of the best things I loved about Andromeda was the fact that literally every mission I could change my character's look and just because you know that's that's realistic it felt it felt more alive doing that and it's not really um it's not really a make or break honestly for what they added it's great my my shepherd I feel looks his best that he's ever been so far and I'm happy for that and hopefully in future installments they'll bring back that feature but either way i if i know people really don't like andromeda but andromeda does have some good things going forward and that customization it has i feel is still better than what we have in the remaster in some ways not always but in some ways but it does make sense too because with 
with Mass Effect, you're, you're literally a Marine in the Army, so there is an image you have to upkeep. So I can understand why some things didn't carry over. While with Andromeda, you know, there's more leniency. Uh, so with that, uh, I was really inspired to make sure that this time around I did everything. I've only done that a handful of times in like the dozen times I've gone through the trilogy. I wanted to make sure I experienced everything from top to bottom, really get the full exposure of what they've added to this trilogy. And thank the Mass Effect... I was going to say gods, but that just sounds weird. <laughs> thank Mass Effect. I'll say that. Thank Mass Effect that they change the trophy accomplishments this time around it's a lot more manageable because i really wanted to uh i really wanted to for the longest time ever since the original collection came out i really wanted to platinum them but some of the trophies i just felt like eh, i don't really want to do that or this uh this time around for instance um with the squad mates at least in one i didn't look in the other games yet and fortunately too what i noticed was um the remaster itself as a whole has its own trophy list and then each individual game has its trophy list so that's pretty cool so for one as opposed to having like two squad mates for the majority of the game all you need to do is bring each squad mate on five missions each and you get a trophy and there's other things, really simple ones from use lift five times, use overloads five times, or no, not five times, <laughs> 25 times like each. And there's a pretty decent list of different moves you have to use. So fortunately, for those who want to have trophies carry over into multiple playthroughs, you'll have that there. Um, from what I'm seeing, I believe the moves only depend on your use, not your not your teammates i could be wrong but i haven't noticed that it counts the teammates yet but i could be wrong like i said so maybe if you do it right some of those might not carry over but either way i believe you still have to do it multiple playthroughs because i don't believe insanity is available at the front but i'm not going to try that until i do my next playthrough my next trilogy run which is going to be my female shepherd right now i'm doing a uh, male shepherd run but either way, uh, real quick before we move on to, I meant to talk about the, <laughs> I meant to talk about the comparison of the old Mass Effect uh, cover art compared to the original trilogy one. Now, I I've seen a bunch of videos showing what these look like across you know different regions, and tip and sometimes the cover art can change depending on the region depending on what is allowed to be shown in the pop and pop culture in that area or whatever uh for the most part it looks like both versions haven't really changed so compared to comparing the two i do like the subtlety of and the actually the simplicity i should say of the original one where it's just a black kind of onyx cover you have shepherd in the background matching that color with the with the heavy shading and then below that it's you know it says mass effect trilogy then you have the cover art of one two and three but the cover art is uh cropped focusing mainly on shepherd in each one i think that's pretty cool really really cool design and when you go on the back it's well it's just the simple stuff nothing else really in there but then when you open up from and this is for people who 
didn't get to uh, acquire the collection case. Maybe you bought it digitally or maybe you just own each individual game, you know, especially if you're an Xbox user. So if you um, look inside, you know, it has the case that has three of the individual cases. And for each one, it has the um, cover art behind each disc. And all the discs are pretty much pretty basic. You know, they just have the the uh, red N7 stripe on it. Then it has the Mass Effect uh, logos on them and all that. But it has the Normandy on the sleeves too. So that's pretty cool. The Normandy and N7, when you first open it up, then uh, the Normandy inside, I should say. So still a very, a very good collection piece. Very happy to own this. Um, for certain, I definitely love the PS3, or excuse me, I love the PS4 version more, but regardless, still pretty awesome. And with that, um, let me see here. So yeah, about 13 hours in, fortunately, I haven't really noticed too many glitches. And by that, I'm going to say I haven't noticed a variety of glitches. Unfortunately, there is a reoccurring glitch I'm running into that I haven't run into before on the collection on the PS3. And I'm not sure if it's just my software or if there needs to be an update. I'm not sure if anyone else is running into this. But unfortunately, um, uh, pretty often, there are times where characters will talk and either the last word or the last two words will be cut off. And sometimes it'll be back to back or it'll be spread out in a conversation. And as if it happens back to back, you max it's usually like twice and then it'll be spread out and so forth. It doesn't happen like every directional or excuse me, it doesn't happen every conversation tree or so, but it does happen enough to notice where it's like whoa how did they not catch this because it's 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 happened on multiple different worlds multiple different missions of course so yeah let me know if you guys ran into this too hope if if so hopefully a patch will come out soon but other than that it hasn't really been it's not a game-breaking thing for me honestly it, it bugs me a little bit but it's not like oh this is horrible nothing like that um, one other glitch I ran into just on one planet for some reason that was really odd. But fortunately, since the save files are really good. Oh, wait. Okay, two. Maybe not. Maybe not. A, maybe this one wasn't a glitch. But anyway. So to <laughs> kind of break it down and then um, then we'll talk about the side uh, content before I go into more of the meat stuff. So what happened was what I was what I'm doing with this game is I'm doing a couple story mode missions and then I go into the side content where I'm going to each planet I can surveying everything I can and just you know, like I said hitting everything so when I went to one planet I was driving around and by the way the Mako handles better but still very similar fortunately they did update the the shooting of it so a better they have a really good uh, zoom in function on it now that's a lot better um i don't remember this i don't remember the jet engine on it but that's there i don't know if that's new or not for some reason i'm drawing blanks on it and like i said the save feature it's beautiful like it's it's really dedicated now in the previous version you literally had to manually save otherwise you could lose up to like half an hour 
of of stuff. It was it was ridiculous. Um, I still save though manually a lot just in case, but I did notice that the the auto save happens a lot, and it go and it and it and it uh saves really fast, like maybe like five seconds, and it's done. Whereas on the collection on the PS3, it took sometimes up to a minute. Um, not often, but sometimes it did. And that's on the PS3 version. I know on the Xbox version, mainly because it was separated into different discs too. The loading often and saving on the Xbox version was typically faster. I'm not even going to talk about the P, uh, PC version. I'm sure everything was just phenomenal <laughs> on that version. I know that that's not always the case, but typically the PC version has a uh, better stuff. But anyway, what happened was when I went to this mission, I went down to check out some of the the minerals. Uh, I don't know if it was gold or platinum or something. I was I was examining it, and I got out of the Mako, and for some reason, every time I hit survey to catalog it, it wouldn't do anything. I kept hitting X. I kept making sure I was close enough where the button was lit up and everything. I, I was, I was literally breathing in. I could smell the mineral. I was like literally an inch away from the thing. Nothing. So I go back to the Mako thinking maybe I just have to get out and reload it or something. I try to go to the Mako and there's no interaction with it. Like the little circle thing pops up signaling that, okay, the game recognizes I'm highlighting this or it's showing me that this option is available no it wasn't it was like you do not you're not allowed in here anymore no shepherds allowed and i just i couldn't do anything so i'm just thinking oh that's not good so i started thinking what do i do if i do i have to reload because if i reload i'm i think i had to i for, i didn't want to reload and have to like start back at the landing point it wouldn't have been that bad, maybe an extra, you know, five minutes lost, but I was like, I'd rather, you know, be right here. So what I did was I saved on that spot and then just reloaded the checkpoint or reloaded that save, I mean, and then I ended up right back there and this and the glitch was gone. But then it happened again uh, at a later point when I was surveying something else. It was only on that one planet, though. And after that, I haven't had the issue yet. And this is after doing... Landing, this is after getting the trophy, uh, getting the three trophies, which is, you know, landing on one inhabited world, then four, and then eight. So I've landed on eight in uninhabitable worlds, and I haven't run into that glitch since. It was really early on, too, so that's fortunate. Now, when, what was the other thing? So there was that glitch, and then... Because I, I want to talk about the Thresher Mall. That, that Thresher Mall was... <laughs> oh, man. I swear they beefed up the Thresher Mall this time around. Oh, uh, the other one. I don't think this was really a glitch. I think the saving just wasn't doing too well as it normally did. Um, there was a point where I was... So I surveyed one of the minerals. And then I checked out two... Um, areas where I could go inside, inside these buildings and, you know, defeat the enemies and come out. I finished one of them. So I got to the second one and I got killed. And when it reloaded, it reloaded me all the way back at the landing point. 
So I lost all of that progress. Granted, it was only about 15 minutes, but I mean, dude, that's still 15 minutes of gameplay. And, you know, most of it's the driving. <laughs> and it was a really, really, it was one of those really uh, rocky, hilly places that it really had any pathways where you could, you know, drive around. You had to literally find your way up the mountain to do so. But fortunately, I got to hand it to the designers of these levels. If you for anyone who didn't notice, if you take notice to those hills, typically, especially if they're like dark, dark hills with not much greenery, if you pay attention to where the moss or greenery spots are, if you use those as your path, typically those are those better spots to drive up as opposed to, you know, anywhere else. That's what I've noticed, at least as far as those not so grassy, hilly mountain areas go. And now back to the Thresher Mall. So I streamed this game on my Twitch um, where I typically do drawing videos, but every so often I do gaming stuff too. If you're not, um, if you're not aware, I stream on i.escape on Twitch and the link will be in the uh, show notes below. So feel free to check that out. Um, so I streamed on Twitch the game about six, seven hours worth of content. So from the beginning of the game up until, yeah, about eight hours later or seven hours later. And at first I was like, yeah, I think I think I'm going to start a kill count and see how many times it takes me to how many times I it takes me to get through the game with uh, with dying. Like, will I die once? Will I die at all? I don't know. I've gone through the game a couple of times without dying on normal difficulty. So I was like, who knows, maybe I'll be able to do it. And of course, shortly after I say that, as I was uh, on the mission saving Liara, I had my first death. I got taken out by, <laughs> I got taken out by the, uh, the Geth probes when I was like literally right above Liara's uh, area. So you got to think, not too bad after going through at least about six hours worth of content and roughly three hours was battle stuff, so... Eh, okay. And then the rest of the four times off a of stream, fortunately, I died at the Thresher Mall. Like the second one I run into. I swear they beefed up these thresh Thresher Malls because I never had this much difficulty. I kid you not, I've only ever died to the Thresher Mall in all those times, maybe like two or three times. But. On one Thresher Mall, I died like four times, three or four times. And then after that, I think I died another two times because there's an instant kill move that happens. Like, for those who don't know, like, there's a point where it burrows underground and it follows you. And if it hits you and lifts you up out of the air, and I, I'm not kidding you, I'm on normal difficulty, full health, and it's totaled the Mako. And I can't heal from it at all. And it just kept hitting me because sometimes I couldn't. Like, get it to come out of the ground, or other times it just um, hit me really early on because I took a bad turn or whatever. So it was really, I swear they definitely beefed up the Thresher Malls, but they look good. They look really good. And so let me see. So we talked about the Thresher Malls. Gonna go a little bit deeper into the side content. And yeah, so real quick. I'm going to start trying a new thing where I take a break in between episodes to hear from our sponsors. And after that, we'll be right back. So, catching a little bit. 
All right, all right, all right. Did you miss me? No? Oh, I didn't either. <laughs> so anyway, um, talking about a lot of the good. We now have some of the bad to go to and kind of mix it in between as well with the side content. Um, before we get into that, I did remember while we're on break that I do have to touch bases on a few other things. I didn't talk about the HUD or like how the gameplay feels. And... I respect what they did. They didn't really try to do a major overhaul of making one feel more like two and three, because that is the common thing that a lot of people don't really like the gameplay of one and the saving grace really for it is the story and um, yeah, just the story. So for me, I never really had a major issue with the gameplay of one. Do I think it's the least favorite out of the trilogy? Yes, but I still I still have a little bit of fun playing it here and there. And I'm glad that they definitely made it a whole lot better to look at, not only with the um, enhancement of the characters, but also the environments. Going to all the different planets from the very first level... Uh, and even being just on the Normandy, seeing your shepherd for the first time, it all feels just so good. Everything's more bright. You have uh, such rich details from the sun shining down to more things being seen in the air. And Eden Prime, for instance, when we're down there, we it's a mixture of like embers falling down uh, from the uh, air, from you know the fires, the whole planet's on fire essentially, to petals from the the trees. And even things as seeing the reflection in the water now, and also the way the 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 way Sovereign looks when he takes off. Oh man! When I first saw these, when they first showcased them in the uh, comparison trailers, oh my goodness, oh my goodness! It's it's so good to see that that's legitimately how it is in the game and it's unfortunately it wasn't just those moments you know they didn't focus on those because those were the only moments no the whole game has those moments and there are plenty of times where i have to stop and just admire all the new detail of what's surrounding me and the photo mode is always appreciative my only complaint my only major complaint with the photo mode is you cannot really adjust your characters at all now you can adjust it where you can take you can probably hear my daughter crying right now <laughs> she's sleepy um you can like take your character out you can take the teammates out the enemies you can adjust all of that which is very great especially if you just wanted a landscape piece but unfortunately you're kind of stuck with whatever moment you froze in if you wanted the characters in there or enemies or whatever you have to be you have to either have lightning fast reflexes to capture the perfect moment which is understandable because photography or you just have to play around with it inch by inch and just hope you get it uh there were some times i wanted to have the right um position with a character but of course when you get too close to them they readjust themselves and it was kind of a bummer because there were a couple of times in particular I wanted to pose by a tally for instance when we were on this planet with this huge uh amazing uh flare of the sun along the horizon and I'm just like dude this is the perfect setup but I couldn't get it unfortunately I was able to get a couple good uh poses but um or a couple good um frames but not the ones i was hoping to have because when i think about it i think about how 
uh, Kingdom Hearts 3's photo mode is, and a couple other games like uh, uh, both Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales, and the one before that, where you can, you know, pose the characters a couple times. I think even Horizon Zero Dawn is the same way. And I'm not saying, you know, put a buttload of overhaul, like, um, like a bunch of different poses that don't make sense. I, I mean, you know, just a couple basic things where they're standing or sitting, maybe they, they turn this way or turn that way. Uh, maybe a couple expressions, um, you know, something like that. It doesn't have to be, oh, they're doing a, a thumbs up or, you know, the peace sign. I'm not saying anything like that. I mean, that'd be cool, but I'm not asking, I'm not asking for a lot. I just want, I would, I, I just was hoping for more of more more control with the photo mode but everything else is pretty cool um getting the chance to do the exposure um mess with the lighting which helped out a lot in a lot uh more of the darker environments and also you can in free mode you do have a good sense of control but unfortunately um one example i had issue with this was when i was trying to capture a really menacing pose with the threshold as it was coming out at me but i couldn't maneuver the free mode camera um to be at a particular angle above the threshold it was kind of like it, it was almost like the free mode was it, it, the free mode didn't really it doesn't always feel as free as you would like and that's that's unfortunate so i'm hoping in time there is an, uh, an update that will at least make the free mode a little more free, but I would gladly trade that away for some poses. And they don't even, like I said, they don't even have to be the facial expressions. If we could just get some poses where we can move the characters around and pose them in certain ways, like just standard stuff, I would be so happy. The amount of joy that could be taken from this. But either way, I've captured a lot of great moments and going to all these different planets made it all the more fun doing so so pretty happy with that so i forgot to mention this is actually more so this episode's mainly like a prologue slash a first impressions episode and it's going to be in the title too so i don't really um what's the word i guess so people pretty much know what they're clicking on um so Hopefully by the next episode, when I do the uh, official deep dive, I'll talk about it a little bit here too, but going into the official first deep dive, it'll be titled correctly and I'll have um, New Horizons with me. So, so in the meantime, I wanted to actually talk about the possibility that I mentioned earlier, talking about our uh, Bioware is um, they actually how they sound open to restoring Mass Effect 3's multiplayer in the Legendary Edition. And this has been opened on a couple different websites. I'm pulling up one from Kotaku right now. This one's actually, this was written yesterday at about 4 p.m. Uh, today is Monday the 17th, so this was written on Sunday. And it was written by Zach Zweisen. Zweisen, something like that. It has two Zs in it. So what they said here is it, it all comes down to Bioware essentially saying, or at least a couple people or one person in Bioware, like the, one of the main people, um, I think it's Mac Walters, was, was essentially saying that if there's enough demand for it and if the remaster does well, 
it is definitely a possibility. So they weren't saying that it's a guarantee it would happen. They're just saying that it is more likely to happen if these two things are met. So that is good. That is good that it's something that they would consider because I'm sure a lot of people were like, dude, what what are you doing? You, You should have done this. And I don't want to beat a dead horse, but like I said, they don't really need to have all the modern features to make it the best uh, or let me rephrase it they don't need all the best current multiplayer features for it to be viable all you you don't need cross-platform for instance it would be nice but you don't really need that all you need is just sound servers easy uh easy easy interface just up what you had before and you know have the mechanics tweaked like you did with the third game and you're good we don't really need much else. The The original multiplayer was phenomenal as it is. I mean, honestly, if you want, throw in some more maps or something, uh, maybe some more classes, and actually make it a little easier to get these characters. <laughs> I've been playing this game for years, and I still haven't gotten all the characters, and it's pretty frustrating. But I, I think that would be my only thing, is just make it easier to unlock these characters. <laughs> That's I think that's all I could say because there's so many of them and it's just uh, but they, they I mean y- you gotta you gotta you gotta think about it too like there's so many amazing characters you can play as from a regular human to an Asari a Krogan uh, playing as Geth even to even um, awakened collectors like the list is phenomenal and yes I love saying phenomenal I can't help it it's phenomenal saying phenomenal and I just can't get over the just the awesome immersion of playing as these characters and thinking what could be going in their head right now as they're doing their thing you know it's just I I love doing that playing as different characters thinking of okay what's their story what's motivating him right now besides you know fighting for their life (laughs) so that, that type of stuff is what helped me really fuel the multiplayer experience and really made me um, want to play it even more because I'm in the shoes of so many other people who are fighting alongside Shepard. You know, everybody's in this war together and it's just powerful. And that's what hurt me the most when we originally heard that the multiplayer wasn't going to be included. So I'll end it with this. They don't need much to bring the multiplayer back. All they really need is the is some good servers tweak some of the mechanics make it easier to unlock the characters i'm not saying make them make it like oh yeah i got them on a week i'm not saying do that i'm just saying you know make it a grind but not like a crazy horrendous grind and just make sure that it's as fun as it was before that's all we really need cross-platform is not needed it's nice but shoot not every game needs it but I mean, if you if you want to throw it in there, but we, we're not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna break the experience. So, anyway, um, so going with the article, um, back in February, it says Walters told The Verge that reason that the reason Bioware had cut multiplayer from Legendary Edition was to focus on improving single player, which is understandable. I'm glad they did that. If they had to sacrifice. If they had to sacrifice um, something to improve on that, that makes sense. They definitely have um, 
good reason to. So cutting multiplayer and rebalancing Mass Effect 3 single player campaign made it so folks wouldn't need to play online to finish the campaign, which makes sense. But also um, the extended cut made it so it was a lot easier. And honestly, if you just did everything in the game or not, not that if you did enough in the game and let's be honest the true fans did you wouldn't really have to play the multiplayer that much if even at all like i don't remember having to play it much at all to get the ending so it's um but i get it i mean i mean at the same time too all they really needed to do was just make it its own thing still and just take out the feature where your um readiness goes down the less you play i know that was a major downer but I know in the extended cut, like I said, it didn't really make that big of a difference anymore. So I, I feel like all they really need to do is that just just cut the reliance on it. <laughs> um, Walters also said that porting multiplayer would have involved solving some key challenges like how to handle crossplay, like I said, and how to bring in players who are still actively enjoying Mass Effect 3's co-op co mode to this day. And reward them for their commitment. Dude. That warms my heart hearing that. <laughs> like I. I mean I was on and off over the last couple years with the multiplayer. But dude I still came back to it and was still having a ball. But that's awesome to hear like. How to bring in players who are still actively enjoying it. On the other consoles. Or the older generation, I should say, and just reward them for their commitment. Can you imagine just, I don't know what they would do, though. Maybe just eat, just, I don't know how you could, like, how, how could you reward the older players, though? Like, kind of just, um, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying favoritism or anything, but, like, how would you reward us for, what, you know, playing the game way back when and not, and not you know, single out the... Or what's it called? And not um, oh dang, I can't remember the word. Where where it's not alienating. There we go. Where we're not alienating the new fans, and so they don't, you know, suffer or feel, yeah, so they don't feel alienated. I don't know, but I guess that makes sense. You know, them figuring out how to do that. But I guess simple enough. Just bring back the multiplayer. <laughs> That's all you need to do. We'll be happy, dude. It's not like I mean, me personally. It's not like I'm going to sell my copy of the OG collection. I'm not going to do that. This thing is a trophy, dude. This is the original collection. I'm not giving this away. And having the Legendary Edition now makes it even cooler. Because it's just the, it's the new model. But I'm the type to have them both proudly displayed next to each other. You know, I just, it's so beautiful. Um, so as the article goes on, now there's that maybe, just maybe... Oh, wait, I said that wrong. Now there's hope that maybe, just maybe, Bioware will bring the fan favorite mode back. In an interview with CNN, when asked about ME3's online mode returning, Walter said he would never say no to that, but added that it would depend on what the reception to Legendary Edition was and if it felt like there was a demand from fans for multiplayer to return. Then... We'll ask ourselves if we have the resources and time to bring it up to the quality level we and fans want, he said. In other words, if it sells really, really well, 
Maybe Bioware will bring back multiplayer. Walter's response was fairly non-committal and wishy-washy, which is understandable because you gotta be in this situation. But as someone who loved the multiplayer co-op action in, in 3 and was super sad to see it left on the cutting room floor, I'll take what I can get. I agree with you there. <laughs> um, even a microscopic bit of hope is better than nothing. Let's also hope that if multiplayer returns, it ditches the loot boxes. Zach, wonderful, wonderful article. I meant to say that with the other articles I've read in the past too on here, but let me just address that now. All the articles I've read in the past, thank you for writing them. They were awesome. Usually, even if I didn't get anything out of it, it was still great content to just discuss it. So great. That was a good one there. I'm glad I was able to, I'm glad most of the points that Zach addressed there, I agreed on and it was just great to talk about. So yeah, as you can see, fortunately, there is a little bit of hope. And with Mac, it makes sense because with Mass Effect, it's been in hot water for quite a while. Bioware has been in hot water for quite a while. So they got to be careful with their delivery and their promises. They got to make sure they don't overstep themselves and over um, just pretty much they don't just don't overwork themselves and fail to deliver because you don't definitely don't want that because they've from Mass Effect 3's ending to fixing all of that, you know, uh, making the fans happy again to what happened with Andromeda, they had to make sure that re the remaster, the Legendary Edition, was the pinnacle. They had to make sure it was definitely the utmost best it could ever be. They wanted to make sure it was truly the best it could be. And from my point of view, I think it's pretty dang close. I don't think it's... I think with a few bug fixes, like the voice clip thing, it's almost there. But to also preserve what the games are without losing what made us fall in love with them, because um, I kind of, like I was saying before, I kind of do like that the gameplay of one wasn't changed too much. It was kind of just improved a little bit. I think that's great. And... It, it, it preserves still what makes one so special and what makes it stand out, even if it's not always in all the good and always in the best ways. However, I will say this. They nerfed the pistol and shotgun. <laughs> I'm mad about that. <laughs> I definitely noticed it. I noticed it after like after the Citadel I, in the back of my head. I was thinking, oh, no, why do my why do my pistols and shotguns seem weaker for some reason? And after I finished Pharaohs, I'm like, wait a minute, something's horribly wrong. <laughs> I'm not one-shotting so easily with a shotgun. <laughs> I was just like, oh no, you know, it's um, <laughs> what's that song? Boys to Men, it's so hard to say goodbye. <laughs> Yesterday, that was playing in my head as I'm like realizing that the <laughs> that the, that especially the shotgun was nerfed in Mass Effect because in one. It was the best, and in 2 and 3, it's just not the same. The shotguns are just not the same in, in 2 and 3, and it's, you felt like such, you felt like Rambo, Schwarzenegger, just all of them put together. It felt like, it felt like if they all could be embodied in one shotgun, the shotguns in Mass Effect 1 were that, just one-shotting everything, and it was just funny uh, at the same time, too, but it, it's such a bummer that they kind of, um... Uh, what's the word? I mean, don't get me wrong. They're still really strong. And if you get a headshot, forget about it. But unfortunately, um, 
it's not as not as good but i mean at the same time it's still really fine i will say this i do hope that they <laughs> i do hope that they um didn't take out that one glitch where you can max out your paragon and your renegade i guess it really doesn't matter because i usually only do one anyway and i think the trophy you need to do is just maxing out one of one of them so it's fine all right so going into the side missions <laughs> oh that was great so uh going into that <laughs> that's my wife oh jeez <laughs> hey it makes the podcast more fun so i'm <laughs> I know if you could hear all of that, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we had a special guest, so <laughs> I'm not going to go too in-depth about the uh, side missions. I'm going to save that for the meat of the uh, actual deep dive, because I want to talk more about this in-depth um, with Josh when he's on here, but for now, I definitely want to talk about my experiences with it on a lighter tone so revisiting even the barren side mission worlds were refreshing even when you just survey a planet that still offer a nice piece of immersion from the explanations of what happens with the planet from its uh, orbital um, status to what the planet is even made out of is it just a gas giant um, does it have a colony on it? Like what? What's all about it? And I just love that stuff, and I really uh, praise um, uh, Bioware for having that planet generator that came up with all these unique things. And it really makes me think too about all of the colonies uh, that are on, if they're on there, for instance. Like what made them come to that planet? What are they dealing with? And unfortunately, we find out the hard way. Um, what many of these colonists had dealt with and it gets pretty spooky at times a lot of the missions I mean majority of the missions we deal with have sad endings and I look forward to really talking about that deeper in the uh, next episode but I mean one for instance involves uh, Exo Presley helping you uncover oh no 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 yeah, 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 Exo Presley. I, I, I misread my notes. I thought it's, I thought I was gonna say Exo Jenny. I thought it was like a typo and don't ask me why. Nah, I'm joking. I thought it was like a voice-to-text thing. But I, I like that if you're surveying a planet, for instance, whether you're looking for like the Turian insignias or finding the ancient writings of the matriarch uh, Asari, um, a couple times things will come up like Exo Presley examined this and he helps me uncover the insignia or Tally brings on this turret and, you know, dismantles it or, I don't know, recovers it and just repairs i don't know random things like that I, I really appreciated those and even that one really odd mission where i forget what planet you go to but the one where it's this really really shiny orb that's just floating there and it's pretty wild i don't i wonder how many people realize this but the 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 piece that the oh shoot what is her name uh the Solar not the salarian i was <laughs> the asari 
Thank goodness for pausing, I remember it now. A sorry consort. If you talk to her, she gives you this uh, trinket of sorts, and for some reason, it connects to this Prothean artifact that you put it in, the orb rises, and you get this flash. You get this flashback, um, kind of how the um, Prothean artifact, other, the, like that, how the other one works, that's shaped like a big five-gum piece. <laughs> uh, another joke I made in the uh, stream. And you kind of see the memories that are attached to it, because like we find out later, the uh, Protheans are able to communicate through touch, you know, uh, telepathy, I forget what it's called when you can do that through touch, but it's a kind of a telepathic thing. And he sees these, these visions of ancient man and how the Protheans were studying them even then and how this one um, man was being studied, being probed by it, and it was a caveman, and I thought that was pretty cool, and it's a shame that it wasn't really too touched on more in the series, but we do get the, we do get closure on that, I believe, in three officially, when we talk with, um, when we talk with, Jar uh, I almost said Jarvis, <laughs> uh, uh, Javik, when he talks about how we had pretty much I believe we had, they they either said they saved us from being harvested or they studied us and saw that we weren't as advanced or something. I think they were going to try and do something about that. But I thought that was kind of cool that um, we had been around, but we weren't as advanced, obviously. And since we weren't, oh, I think that's what it was. Since we weren't as advanced, the Prothean Empire didn't take us in yet. And if we had been, we wouldn't have been around. <laughs> we would have been as dead as the Prothean. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I remember that was, now that I think about it, that was a conversation that uh, Javik talks about at some point. But yeah, there were a lot of great planets and just, I mean, all, the majority of them, if not all of them at one point just left me breathless and especially the planets where you just have either another planet really close to it or just a sun really close to it, especially the red giants i remember there was one that had the two suns it was a red giant in the background i think the no the red giant was closer and then the white dwarf was just a little bit behind it almost crescent in the uh positioning and it just it just wowed me now i know that these scenes were that were present in the original, but they weren't as beautiful for sure. Because the, as I said, the lighting, the grains, just the textures, everything is just upped to the max. And you can tell every stinking second. I, there, there was so many times I had to just stop and just gander at it all. And one thing I do have to mention too, when it comes to the side missions, especially when you go inside, they that's something that wasn't changed a lot of the environments are still the same when you're going inside whether it's um above ground or below ground um a lot of the environments are still the same just kind of moved around a bit occasionally um when you're like in a shuttle in space you know checking out an abandoned one or if you're checking out a base on the ground or underground um you can tell there it is definitely the same one just like i said either uh, a few things are moved around or maybe different enemies, whatever. But fortunately, with this, um, 
even though the textures don't seem too different, um, the enhancements don't seem too different in these areas, because of the fact of just wanting to relearn the story of these side missions and everything, and just figuring out what really makes this universe tick and what is really happening outside of the main story kept me wanting to see more of it all. And how I played this time with the stream was also for the benefit of the stream too, because um, some people who joined and watched on on there were newcomers to the series who wanted to see, who were fans of me, but didn't know Mass Effect and wanted to check it out because, you know, they heard so much about it, mainly wonderful things. And I got to say, I'm glad to see that out of all the reviews I've seen of the game so far, it's all in the 90s, you know, all A's. So it's great. And if there are any critiques about it, they're all pretty much the same. Nothing too serious or um, uh, negative, fortunately. Just some constructive criticism that can, for the most part, be fixed in a future update, which I'm sure will happen. Um, it's good to see that um, regardless of how I decided to play, it worked out. So I... Went through the motion of the first mission, went to the Citadel. I did the main stuff and a couple of side things like talking to Conrad Werner, um, recruited everybody and made sure I set up a bunch of missions. And then I left, went to recruit Liara, did some more side stuff and then came back to the Citadel. And um, oh, no, no, no. I did Liara. And then I went to Pharos, and then I went back to the Citadel. Normally what I do is I typically like to knock out everything at once that's possible in the Citadel. And of course you do have to come back if you want to complete all the missions, because some of them require you going out, exploring, and then coming back and reporting to, like, uh, what is it, Admiral Kohotu or Commander, Captain, whatever his title is, and one of the Asari diplomats, I believe, who has an issue with her sister being kidnapped. Or uh, even depending on your backstory, like if you are from the Batarian Slaver backstory, there's another mission where you come back and you run into someone who was also one who uh, managed to escape. So uh, there's a lot of different differences. And also, if you want to take a break from scanning the Keepers, which is understandable, I barely have ever finished that mission. But I definitely want to this time. I'm 17 out of 20 right now, so I'm very happy about that. Um, but I think this was a good pace to do to just show people um, new things. Um, I, well, yeah, just show them new things of the game instead of just focusing on the Citadel. Because while there was a lot of great new visuals to experience there, the court, of course, there was a lot more to experience on the other planet. So I wanted to make sure that in the four hours, the first four hours I streamed, I wanted to make sure we had a super wide variety. And. The next stream I did only about two, I think about two and a half hours, maybe more. Because I think I hit seven hours of streaming in those two days. And then I decided just to play the rest on my own time because that's a lot of time and to dedicate to streaming for the, just for the one game alone, it's a lot. But either way, uh worked out really well. And I think this is definitely a very good experience I'm looking forward to. It. I'm looking very well to return to the deep dive series and just talk about everything um, in a deeper fashion that this whole uh, series has to offer. And one of them being 
that I uh, that we just discovered today. I was I don't know how I feel about how I how it was revealed to me. I honestly kind of I, I honestly kind of would have preferred experiencing it in the game. But I mean, it would have taken a long time to get to it. So obviously I would have been spoiled on it eventually. But. Wow. So. For our Tally fans out there, you probably already know this, but they changed the Tally face reveal. And by that, I mean. The picture that Tally gives you, if you romance her, it's a different picture now. And it looks great. So. For those who don't know. Back in the day when three first came out, there was major issue over the tally face reveal i'm personally in the camp that feels tally's face reveal was definitely something that was a long time coming and if it had to happen three was definitely a great time to do it but i really wish they had done it during her main uh during her her i'm not gonna i'm not uh to not spoil it, I'm just going to say I wish they would have had the big reveal during her story finale, if you know what I mean. Not the romance, but her story finale, and then, you know, show it again after that. But I think that would have been great because think about the people who didn't or, um, you know, yeah, the people who didn't romance Tally but really care for the character because obviously not everyone who was a fan of Tally didn't romance her. I mean, I'm definitely in the camp of, yeah, my shepherd did, but even when my shepherd doesn't, like if I'm playing a female shepherd or if I'm playing a shepherd who's romancing Liara or Jack or whatever, I, um, you know, I'm always like, dang, I, she's my favorite, but I, you know, I want to experience these other characters too. I mean, this is a different shepherd, a different reality. So, but it's, it's a shame that only the romances can see that, but I'm glad that the picture is changed. And it's interesting too, because thinking about it this way, uh, I was talking about it with Josh actually, where we, I started thinking about it. When you look at the original picture that she gives you, it is her, which looks to be on her home world. And she has not a lick of armor on. No armor at all. No nothing. And, you know, has her hair all out. She's in this, in some kind of casual wear, it looks like. And you see her um, just all skin where it's visible, like her hand or, you know, face and neck and stuff. And as a Corian, even on your home world, that's a little stupid. <laughs> now, I get it. The celebration of what was achieved at, at the end of the Corian story arc. That makes sense, but f coming fully, un f you know, taking off all your armor, that's pretty much your, your, your life source <laughs> to a degree because their, um, their, uh, whatchamacallit is their, uh, immune system is just trash right now. And it's going to take a couple years with the Geth's help to repair that. Uh, that's kind of a spoiler, but I didn't, mm, who cares at this point? Um, it's not a major spoiler at this point. I mean, it kind of is, but it isn't. It's kind of halfway there. Moving on. So 
Either way, I feel that the picture that they do give you this time is definitely more fitting. And if you don't know, this is it. And if you don't want to know, just skip like 15 seconds ahead. It is a picture. I'm saying it now for the spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. It's a <laughs> it's a picture of Tally in her armor still, but the mask, the visor piece is off. So you see the eyes, you see her smiling, you see the alien characteristics still of the original picture, but it's not a, um, it's, it's, it's actually a video game render of the character. Prob Honestly, it's probably the same model. They just took the visor off and modeled a face inside. So it looks more real. It looks actually like the tally we've seen this whole time. Hopefully that was under 15 minutes or <laughs> seconds, excuse me. And I think that was the better way to go. Like, don't get me wrong. The model they used for T Tally in the original one. Um, yeah, it was a stock photo, but it was a it was a model that I could see being Tally. It, it fit. It was a very representable model. And the picture was very eloquent and the photoshopping skills weren't bad. I know a lot of people say, oh yeah, they spent like five minutes in Photoshop and whipped this together. I've, I've said that too, honestly, but that's, that's just me venting because I wanted to s actually see it in cutscene form. And yes, it is in cutscene form, but I mean, you know, her actually showing you in person. Um, is it the best thing for the, it, was it the best way that for them to do it? I still prefer the cutscene, but I really, really appreciate them doing this. I think the touch-up is beautiful. I think it fits the character more. Her having the armor on, the, the suit, I should say, and remo removing the visor, that little bit, symbolizing that little bit of intimacy that she is only sharing with Shepard. I think that is beautiful, and that fits the character a bit more, especially with how she slowly opens up to you over time with how she feels about um, doing this sort of thing with someone other than a Corian who, you know, inter-species, you know, have, so with someone who has such a weak immune system where just having a common cold can kill her. So I think the meaning behind this new picture is so beautiful because of that intimacy of just showing her, you know, just taking her visor off. I, just, I really really like it and I think that is such that was such a good move whoever made that decision I want to shake their hand just at least I'll probably shake their hand and then pull them in for a hug because that was that's such a beautiful piece and if it was a couple people bring it all in guys you guys you guys rock <laughs> and like I said I'm not I'm not gonna really complain much I mean there are mods that sh that have the cutscene of her, um, her doing you know, taking her helmet off and so forth. And I'm happy with that. Um, with what we got with this picture, I'm still happy. I'm not going to complain much. And they still did. They they could have left it alone, but they didn't. And I'm very thankful for that. So either way, um, I think what I'll end it on is the reunion that the voice actors and some of the writers had on uh, Jennifer Hale's YouTube uh, channel the day of the the launch day and wow that was pretty great and 
uh, before I get into that real quick, let me just say that this all together was just so cool for them all to do because of course, you know, everyone, it's been so long since these people came together for this project. And from what I heard, they weren't even really recording together. A lot of them, um, had to honestly just look at the script and read. And then sometime later, they were able to introduce this, um, what was it? A virtual, it was like a virtual voice, uh, directory or something like that, or just a recording in general that they were able to listen to of another character and read off of that. So they can project their voice acting lines a little better so they could feel the energy of whoever they were talking to in that respective scene. So I thought that was really cool. And it's a shame. I'm sad. I'm sorry. I don't remember all the people's names. I only can remember Seth Green, Keith, David, Jennifer Hale and Mark Mir. But of course there are so many other wonderful, wonderfully talented actors, actresses, um, writers and whatnot that attended this uh, stream on YouTube. And it, they were on there for a while. I missed a little bit of it, but I look forward to uh, watching it back at some point. But I did take some notes. Um, so they, they talked for a while about their experiences with everything, um, answering some questions. I, I sent some comments in. It was pretty cool. Um, I didn't get a question in, unfortunately. I was actually multitasking while this was happening. I was kind of listening to it in the background. But it was actually great because for some of these actors, I didn't see, I've never seen the faces of some of them before. So that was really cool. Now, people like uh, Liara Tassoni's actor or Mark Muir, of course, or uh, Keith David, obviously I've seen their faces before um, from other work they've done or... Um, behind the voice actor videos you've seen on YouTube and whatnot. But then you have um, people like who voiced uh, Morden or who even voiced Saren. I've never seen their face before, or at least not to my knowledge. So it was really great to see what they actually look like in person. So that was really cool. So a couple of the notes I took here was, um, I forget when it was actually integrated into the project. I want to say it was at least sometime into Mass Effect 1, if not 2. Um, there was a digital system that played clips of lines for other actors for them to play off of. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, and one of the writers or directors, um, she had said so, the amount of paper <laughs> that they used that they had to you know, eventually throw away um, after, Emmy, after Mass Effect 1 alone was just crazy and it makes sense uh, I remember one person on the stream was talking about um, how even like Fallout uh, I think New Vegas has an extreme amount of voice acting and even more than Mass Effect which is surprising I know there are plenty of games out there that have uh, rivaling amounts of voice acting if not more but to me not having played too many games like Mass Effect it's hard to believe there are other games out there that have voice acting amounts that rival a game like that. So let me go to the next thing I have here. So it was really cool too, because seeing um, someone like Seth Green, for instance, someone I haven't seen um, 
in per- not in person, but seeing what he looks like currently after so many years was cool. Like he's definitely um, he's aging well. I don't know how old he is. My guess is he's probably late forties, maybe fifties at this point. Maybe older. I have no idea. But he looks good. He looks like he's taking very uh, good uh, good care of himself. He has a little bit um, longer hair. Looks like he has like a, a little bit of a slick back. A lot of his beard. He's got like a, almost a Joker beard right now, but a lot of it is gray. But hey, he rocks it. So, um, oh, I, actually, that's that screenshot I took had the same note on it. Okay. So it's actually really good. They did some fun line readings. They did a lot of fan favorites. Um, one of them was Joker's um, introduction as he was um, introducing himself to the shepherd. Um, kind of like what his background was, essentially. How he, the, you know, the classic one, how he earned being the pilot of the Normandy. And how, um, you know, yeah, I didn't get this because of my disease. I'm not a charity case and all that. And it was great uh, just hearing them go over that again. You know, you could tell they were having fun. <laughs> and um, it was just cool hearing, for the most part, they all sounded the same. You know, it wasn't as good as quality because, of course, they're not they're not in the studio. But it was still cool. Like, you could still hear them talking. And if you were to close your eyes, you could, you know, you could hear them. You could still imagine the characters with the voices and that's pretty cool and I mean with Seth Green he didn't really change his voice you know it's kind of him and that's not a bad thing I I gotta say this it always irks me when people are like oh he didn't really change his voice at all for this role it's just him playing himself what's wrong with that (laughs) I mean being a voice actor you you have I mean some not everyone has to or is requested to even change the voice sometimes like with Keith David he just has a very different, a very, uh, what's the word? He just has one of those voices, a very prominent voice. There it is. And he doesn't really need to change his voice. I think he like raises and lowers it sometimes depending on what character he's doing. Like if he does spawn, I would imagine he does it a little bit more gravelly. But with Anderson, I'd imagine Anderson is his normal voice or even with, um, uh, what is his name? Well, actually, I won't use that example. Uh, not not Keith David. I was thinking of the other example I was going to say. Um, oh, Seth MacFarlane. I'll just throw it out there. It's whatever. Um, like with Peter Griffin or um, with Peter Griffin or Stewie, you know, he does his he does his voices a little bit with it. But then when you have uh, Brian, that's his voice. You know, sometimes you don't need to use a different voice to be a voice actor. You don't need to. If your voice fits the character, it fits the character. Who cares? (laughs) I feel like people are way too picky when it comes to critiquing voice acting sometimes. Um, Liara's voice actor gave me goosebumps the most. It, It was great because with her, I thought they had some kind of, um, some kind of voice effect on her. When she was talking, like when she was talking in the video, it just sounded like she just clicked and the voice just went in like it was just great. You could tell that she was just ready for every single line like she prepared ahead of time. Like she just practiced all her lines and just went in it. It was it was really good. 
And even, I forget who said it, I think it was Morden's voice actor who even said the same thing. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Uh, I remember her saying the line of um, the classic Emmy 2 line, where I'll fillet you with my mind. <laughs> that was pretty good. Or with just give me five minutes and I could start a war. You know, just phenomenal uh, shadow, bro- uh, shadow broker or just Emmy 2 lines in general. Uh, and then hearing Thane's voice without the voice uh, modulator was really nice. It still clearly sounded like him. It's, it was great. I mean, I always suspected that with him and Morden and Saren that it wasn't the modulator that sold the voice. It was mostly their voices. They just had that extra oomph to establish the more alien side of these characters. So that was it was great to actually hear Thane, Morden, and Saren, like I said, without those voice uh those voice modulators. I unless I missed it, I don't believe the voice of Rex was there, unfortunately. But Steve Blum was there too, of course, who played uh Grunt most uh notably, and of course a couple other characters, especially in the second game. So that was cool. I think he was a little bit later to join. But, I mean, hey, a lot of these people are still doing a lot of work in the industry. I mean, I'm sure they all are, but who knows what they're working on currently. And, you know, they're all they're all people. We all have busy schedules. So it was great to see him. I mean, he might have been there the whole time. I might, I just might not have noticed because um, the way the stream was going was it, it would tend to focus on whoever was talking. And it was, I mean, there are a lot of squares there. So maybe he wasn't late. Maybe I just didn't notice him until uh, until then. Uh, let's see. So, um, yeah, for the most part, a lot of the people were there. I was really happy to see Saren, uh, excuse me, Saren's voice actor there and hearing him do his lines. It was really cool. He was like everybody. Honestly, he was very lively. Um, everyone had a good sense of humor. You, you could tell that everybody wanted to be there or at least was having fun. It, that you could tell they were definitely enjoying themselves. And that's what I like to see. It was really great to see, you know, they're, they're a family. It, it had been a long time since they all had been together, but it was great that you could still see the magic. <laughs> and that's what really makes a project feel alive. And I forget his name, but he looks like the voice actor who, uh, voices um uh shoot what is his name who voices ultron he looks like him and i'm gonna kick myself if that's the same guy i don't think it is but actually let me look that up real quick i really don't think it is but i'm gonna check nope it is fred tata skior skior and it was james spader who voiced ultron in avengers that's who i was thinking of but they they look like their brothers. I think it might have just been because of the how they looked in the video. I don't know, but they to me they just look like brothers. Maybe they don't outside of the video, but <laughs> yeah. All right, so I don't think I have too many notes left regarding this, but of course, my favorite character hearing Tally talk, another character who has a voice modulator, but of course, that's another character who that it's another character who has, who isn't defined by that. You still hear the character without that. And that was great. 
Um, they all had some really good fan requested lines. A lot of our, a lot of our favorites. <laughs> uh, what was the one? Uh, induction port. <laughs> and then what else do we have? Okay, so after this, there's just one more thing I have to say um, regarding Mark Mears' Instagram page, which I love that he's on Instagram. I think a lot of them are too. I'm going to have to look them up and follow them, but it's always great. Like, I love how engaged Mark Mears is, especially like every time I literally, this dude has hundreds of comments on his um stuff he posts and every time I post something he likes it I just I feel so special and I'm sure you know he's you know reading them hitting like 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 just you know spending some time just appreciating showing his fans some love but it's just great to to see that you know I feel appreciated that's pretty cool yeah big shout out to Mark Mary one of definitely one of my favorite uh voice actors out there so I like that with Jennifer Hale and Mark Mir they had you know of course both being shepherd they took turns being shepherd and uh sometimes would even uh from voicing it together or bouncing back and forth it was great and i need to look up that line real quick because that line they did together was so good so it was this line here uh, one of the many that they did together, and this one gave me goosebumps. It made me think about in three where the catalyst is voiced by the kid. And then in, if you're listening with uh, headphones, for instance, you can hear um, Mark Muir and uh, Jennifer Hale on either side of the headphones, which I thought was really cool. And also kind of makes me think of the indoctrination theory, which I need to also talk about at some point because there is an article I found that talks about why it's wrong and I can understand that but I think there was another video too where I talked about it um in depth not as in depth as I wanted to but I know I did talk about the endings and what they could mean for the future I think that episode was a little messy but I did like that I talked about it at least but either way so the quote here was maybe you're right Maybe we can't win this, but we will fight you regardless, just like we did Sovereign. And it was, oh man, just goosebumps. Like they, they sit it together and I just was like, oh man. And I said this in the stream, I got to get this out the way. They're both great voice actors. And yes, I feel that both deliver lines with their own style. And I feel like both are able to hit certain uh, uh, lines differently that may hit in a better way than the other or vice versa. But it that's another irk I have whenever someone's like, oh, Jennifer Hale was the superior voice actor to Mark Muir. I mean, yes, Jennifer Hale is a fantastic voice actor, but we should not at all just uh, demote the voice acting that Mark Muir does. He is, I mean, they're, they're both different shepherds. They're not supposed to really be uh, the same. They're both different people. So, of course, their voices, the way they handle these voices are going to be different. So, at least that's how I see it. Maybe 
don't know. I, I feel like whenever someone compares the two and says they're better, I always feel like eh, I don't think that's really the proper way to feel about it. But whatever. I just wanted to get that out there because there are, I know people typically go for Jennifer Hale because they like her performance better. And that makes sense. But I just don't like when people say that Mark Mirror isn't as good or that she's better. I, I'd say they're both equal as Shepard. They're just two different Shepherds. And I also get that, you know, Jennifer Hale is, she's voiced so many characters from her childhood. And, you know, having that connection to her as Shepard, I can understand that too. I respect that. And I think that's great. I I love both my male and female. <laughs> I said female, both my male and my female shepherds. So, but like I said, I like them equally because I, I can't stress it more. So I'll leave it at that. Um, so let me go to the last thing I had here with this voice clip. So he took a snapshot of Mark. Oh, oh, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. So Mark Muir took a snapshot of all the people that were on here. There's actually two pages, so I, I am going to miss some of the uh, some of the names. But I should have looked at this earlier. I forgot all their names were on here. So we had uh, Ash Sevilla, who I believe was a writer on the team. Um, Ali Hillis, which was Liara. Fred Tanis. Kior, who was Saren, Raffle Sabarge, Caden. Oh, I forgot to mention this. I don't know what was up with this. Maybe I just didn't. Maybe I just didn't hear it right. But for some reason, Raphael didn't sound like Caden when he was doing his lines. I don't know if it was just me, but did anyone else notice that? Or is it just me? He didn't sound like Caden for some reason. And I could have sworn that was his own you know actual voice he used i mean maybe his voice changed you never know but yeah i don't know uh dc douglas who wait wait who's dc douglas was he just was he a writer or maybe director oh no i don't know i think he might have been just a writer or a director um steve blum of course as prominently grunt ash uh Sroka as Tally, William Sailors, Saliers, Saliers. <laughs> I'm going to be butchering all these names. Um, as Morton and Courtney, Courtney, Courtney as Jack. I think that was my first time seeing her as Jack too. And uh, there were other people. Oh wait, here we go. Here we go. Kimberly Brooks as um. As Ashley, so that was pretty cool. But like I said, there are other there. There was another page, but I forgot to take a snapshot of it. But I mean, there were other people who were on that call. But that was the first thing they. Uh, that was the snapshot I was able to capture of his Instagram. So he said, "Have a had a lovely time seeing these faces at the Mass Effect reunion. Thanks again to Jail Hale." J. Hale Graham for organizing this meeting of the minds and voices behind Mass Effect Legendary Edition. So I just wanted to give them a shout out for doing that because they did that twice, I think, this year. Uh, once for in seven day. I think they I think at least a couple of them do this 
every and seven day, you know, signing signatures and all that stuff. I got to do that. I keep forgetting to get that. I want to get them. I want to get it from both, at least the shepherds, but I want to have a whole collection, but I know that's going to be mad pricey. <laughs> I got to do at least the favorites, but I, that's really cool. Cause I remember on N seven day, that's when they first announced the remaster. So ever since then, I'm sure everyone's been like, dude, give me my signature. And, um, of course, again, for the official release. So it makes me even eager for the next reunion, hopefully when, um, the next game comes out and looking forward to that. So I've been talking here for quite a bit, not super long, but I try to keep these just about an hour, uh, maybe a little few minutes uh, over. Uh, so, so every so often we'll have a longer episode, but here we go. Um, so plans for the future uh, regarding this mini series. Normally, what I try to do is every like for the for the Kingdom Hearts episodes, for instance, for the deep dive deep dive with that. What I did with that was I try to do every other episode is the Kingdom Hearts one because I don't want people thinking that's all I do because I don't, I do <laughs> a mixture of stuff. That's just what I go to more often because I'm doing a deep dive. I don't want to take forever going through these series, uh, just like with Mass Effect. So, um, but yeah, I just let you guys know whether you're new listeners or reoccurring ones. Um, you'll be seeing these deep dive episodes more frequently along with the Kingdom Hearts ones and in between other stuff. But like I said, if you guys have any special requests, Definitely let me know um, whether it's these series or other things you'd like me to talk about, and I'll go from there. But until then, gonna probably focus for sure more so on the two series just to uh, really get those um, on the way and just share the, show them some love because they are hot right now. And of course, I've been meaning to actually go through these for the longest time and really just talk about everything I always wanted to on this podcast. So hope you enjoyed this uh, prologue, first impressions of the game, what I've experienced so far in about the 13 hours. Um, just really rough stuff. Of course, like I said, as the episodes progress into the very next episode, we're going to be start, uh, we're going to start talking about the nitty gritty, the deep dive step-by-step step of what my shepherd or who my shepherd is, what he is going to do and what he has been accomplishing from world to world. So hope to see you then. And uh, well, until the wind hits our sails yet again, I look forward to seeing you in the next escape. And until then, this is AOK Radio signing off. Another chapter concludes. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to help support it by leaving a rating if possible, subscribing, and sharing the podcast with others. That way more people can see it, whether it's either from you or in their suggestion feed. And if you leave a review on the show, you'll get a shout out in the next episode. But due to my podcasts being available not just on multiple platforms, but multiple countries, to ensure I see a rating, uh, either send me a, an email with the subject AOK Radio or messaging me on Instagram, which is 
i.escape.i. So my social medias, my other social medias I should say, and other projects like I Believe in Monsters, my short story narrations, and more are linked in the show notes below. And feel free to message me with any suggestions for future episodes. And if you ever want to be featured on one as well to talk about whatever subject, hit me up there as well. Special shout out for Emac for uh, producing the beat. Always love you. That is used as my outro and the song featured in my EP Canvas District. The intro song used is titled The Unstoppables, produced by me. A link to all those is also in the show notes. This is AOK Radio, signing off. There is always more to seek, so go forth and seek it. (laughs) 